0: The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, here for a little Wednesday Q&A, a A little bit of a late night one, but fuck, I was busy, baby, (laughs) playing a little Super Mario World with the hottest woman on the planet, you better believe it, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, she and I, she and I, we were rocking it in the Forest of Illusions, couldn't find that secret level to get to part five of the Forest of Illusions, finally found it, fucking that I died, that's how it goes. But hey, <laughs> no, really, if people knew, if I, I used to have, you know, I have so many monikers, I list off a shit ton of them at the beginning of every episode. If people only knew, okay, and I'm not saying hard work is a virtue, all right, but if people only knew, like I used to use the one that was the hardest working uh, man in anarchism. If you had any idea, <laughs> I, I look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just going to start going down the list and pat myself in the back. I don't need to do that shit. Okay, but jeez. oh, Jesus. Satan. <sighs> anyway, whew, we've got uh, we've got a lot of questions. Some fun ones. Going to get into some tech in this one. I know last week we started off with uh, we started off with a little little philosophy, uh but uh but this one I think we can start off with some some tech. But actually, you know, I want to start off with something. Ooh, I want to start off with a nice comment that was that was that was very kindly made in the, uh, the secret Facebook group, Sovereign Tech Uncensored. Whoa, ding, hey, just got another patron just while I'm recording. Fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> We're going to take this. We're taking it all that Actually, it looks like this one's an egoist. All right, right on, baby. Uh, woo, so, <laughs> okay. Um, like I, I was just about to say, anyway, the person said, all right, says, I'm slowly working on expanding the mind of my boyfriend and decided to start him with Sash and Sovereign Tech. Sash, of course, be in Sex and Science Hour, which I do with the lovely and hyper-intelligent whoo, Dr. Stephanie Murphy, baby. <laughs> uh, so I show him pics of Brian and Stephanie and he says, wow, he looks huge. And I love how he swears. I would fuck him. Good job. Good job, Brian. Keep being huge. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I love you know, look, look. I am absolutely a, a dilettante in the arts of the profane. Make no mistake about that. If I'm anything, I'm that. All right. <laughs> but getting to the level, uh, you know, or the the uh the degree of panache with which uh that I like to think that that I can I can cuss. Yeah, I've been working on that for a real real long time. Pardon me while I have a sip of tea. I know some of you guys hate this stuff. Woo. Mm-mm. How are you doing tonight? All right. <laughs> so, all right, let, let's really. Anyway, thank you. I'm honored by that. Um I love it. I don't know how many times it's actually happened. Not that this is the case of that comment. I don't know how many times how many times now it's happened. It's at least happened twice, I think. Where somebody like I don't know somebody and this is kind of bad form. You really don't want to be looking at other people's screens, but a couple ha- ha- emailed me and they met because I think the uh, the guy was listening, or maybe it was the gal was listening to Sovereign Tech, and they noticed that they were listening to Sovereign Tech. Maybe on the SoundCloud page or something. I don't exactly remember. This was this couple of years ago, and they they started chatting it up because they were both fans. Can you believe that meeting up at a coffee shop and meeting another Sovereign Tech fan? Holy shit! I I know that that's that's happened also with other people recently. I don't know how many times this has happened, but th- that that uh, uh, me that blows my fucking mind. <laughs> All right? I mean, it's awesome, but who blows my mind all right let really let's get <laughs> no shop talk let's get into the questions uh because we got quite a few uh, to get into actually a quick one um that i want to touch on before i get it we're going to talk about uh vpns here actually a great question about vpns in a second might get into a little little uh, B cash talk as well yeah looking at you roger ver um, <laughs> he says he hates it when P- he says you're just a jerk if you call it bcash no, um, no, I'm not. Well, all right. Maybe I am. Maybe I, I can be to some people, but come on. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, uh, l- l- let me get to this, this quick question first. And this is also actually from the Sovereign Tech uh, Uncensored Facebook group, which if you want to join, by the way, all you have to do is you have to friend me, private message me, and then I can let you in, uh, that that's what it takes. Anyway, uh, it said, Brian Sovereign, just curious if you think Twitter will ever have groups, groups. And if they did, would you consider moving this group to Twitter? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. So um, I, I've, I've briefly mentioned this and I mentioned it again when um, when Twitter brought up that they were t- t- for some users, they were allowing for a 280 character limit instead of 140 character limit, which, again, I think is fine. People ask me all the time about that now. And I'm like, oh well, why the fuck not? I mean, it, and this will kind of answer this person's question. Uh, you know, it, like what, what Twitter's been doing for the past, re- really ever since Jack Dorsey came back as CEO, they've just been slowly implementing every Facebook feature that they can, uh, or at least formatting feature. Fortunately, they're not going too crazy with some of the Facebook features because Facebook is such a complex fucking system now. It's it's re- It's so terrible. Um, what they offer, but a lot of the overall fun stuff and UI and things like this, I mean, like your, your profile page looks like, you know, a Facebook timeline now. Um, I mean, b- people might already forget that, that it didn't always look this way. Um, but, and, and certainly Facebook has done its fair share of copying some of Twitter's features to varying degrees of success. Uh, like with hashtags, it's not a, not a fucking success at all, but yeah, I, I actually, I really think it's a matter of time and I think Twitter with some of the features that they've already rolled out, they they have been uh, you know, they, they've been testing out would people actually make use of groups like the fact that in a in a direct message on Twitter, you could effectively create a group. You just couldn't thread it. Right. You, you don't have threading. But otherwise, you could have a bunch of people in a direct message and, you know, only those people invited to that direct message, are able to use it. So that's kind of a group. Um, that's why every time I've brought it up, I said, look, if Twitter ever came out with groups, I, I would kill my Facebook account in a heartbeat, and I would absolutely move the entire Sovereign Tech Uncensored uh, group. I'd move it all right over to Twitter, j- just like that. I mean, it'd it happen in a second. Um, but I always caveat that with, don't tell me about direct messages. I know about that that's not the same. What it, what the feature needs to have really is, is threading. Um, so yeah, I, I think personally, I think it's a matter of time before only a matter of time before Twitter does implement, uh, groups or maybe even some kind of like sub tweet feature, uh, which I think would be, you know, and expect these things to come up because you got quarterly, quarterly reports, yearly reports coming up and Piper's got to get paid. You, you have to, you have to make sure, uh, that, you know, your investors are happy. And the general way that you make investors happy is just by announcing, oh, yeah, we've got this new feature, this new feature. And if it's something really impressive on the UI, it usually impresses the VCs and the investors and all that. Uh, so that, that's commonplace. So this would be an easy thing to do to either create groups or create like a sub Twitter, kind of like a subreddit, but instead have it be a sub Twitter where where people can only interact within that um any of those either of those features and that would be enough for me to move everything over to that uh i would be totally you know totally game for it um the threading thing is is the is the important part uh some people recommended switching over the sovereign tech uncensored group to reddit uh which is not a terrible idea at all um and i've still been considering it and reddit does allow for threading um you know one of one of my favorite pieces of software out there is riot.im r r o i r i o <laughs> t.im um riot.im is great and they keep coming out with new features and it's totally it's great encryption it's completely open source it has video calling the, you know and it, and it it's chat feature works more or less like IRC the one and it has most of the features of IRC like private rooms and all this different stuff the one thing it doesn't really have as far as i could tell uh, unless there's been something added in the past week, which I know there was a major update to uh, to to the uh, mobile apps of, of riot dot on Android and iOS. Um, but as far as I know, like you really can't do threading on that. And that's that's the hard part. And, and threading, if you I mean, threading, if you don't know, is just a person makes a post and then you can comment only on that post. And it doesn't affect the rest of, say, the chat room or group or something like that, which is, you know, the lifeblood of, of Facebook is threading. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, Riot.im, I've toyed and will continue to toy with that because the nice thing about Riot is that, and I've talked about this before, Um, I know I talked about it at Porkfest as well, I had people ask about it. The nice thing about it is that, yeah, it has that baked in encryption, Um, it is completely open source, like it does everything right. It just needs that fucking threading feature, <laughs> and then and and then I, I think it would be it it almost it pretty much be the perfect social platform. Telegram would be a great thing as well, but again, it doesn't have that threading. That's that's the whole gaff is you've got to be able to have that threading. Um, I think, I think Riot even has search within, which is you know one of the reasons that people don't use IRC so much or maybe even Skype anymore is because they don't have search within chats, which is why Slack became so popular. It's kind of been you know, Slack is already considered a killer app, but it's, but Slack's killer app has been the fact that you can search, um, you know, within a, within a group, um, a sovereign tech group is certainly, or, you know, Slack group is something that could be, but I hate Slack so much. I'm not going to do that. Like that, that's something where there is a degree of threading, um, and you could create separate, you know, rooms and everything within a Slack channel uh, I mean, I could see a lot of interesting ways that, that could work. And I know about rocket chat. You could use rocket chat. I mean, there's, there's a lot of options out there, but again, like if I'm going to take the time to try and to try and really, really, really build up, you know, a sovereign tech presence on another platform, it has to, it has to be perfect. It can't, it, you know, it either has, to, it has to be perfect or it has to have a tremendous network effect already. One of those two has got to be a part of it at least. And Twitter would be an easy one because even if people don't use Twitter, they can understand why maybe they'd need a Twitter account, you know, because a Twitter handle is the modern day phone number, especially in the tech world. Uh, you know, there, there's it's an easy argument and most people already have one. They just don't use it. So anyway, but yeah, I, I really could see in in the very near future, I could see groups coming to Twitter. Uh, and if that happens, we'll see how they implement it. And if it's got the right stuff, well, then, yes, yeah, Sovereign Tech Uncensored, will will move over there. So, all right, let's get on to another, got another tech question here. We're going to get into some fun questions a little bit later on here, but, um, okay. Hey, Brian, quick question for you. I don't recall ever hearing you discuss this on the show. Maybe it's something you could talk about. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the encryption set encryption settings for private internet access for things like torrents. I'm trying to figure out, uh, how loose a guy should be on that. I've been plagued with slow speeds and gone through everything and finally thinking it's the encryption. I'm just not sure it's wise to change those things. Uh, I'm not sure it needs to be encrypted at all if just the IP is going to be tracked. So, okay, now the, the way that you can change, so I w- I'm going to break down, we're going to go, and this is only if you're using private internet access. Some of this information would be useful across the board, would be useful for, um, you know, any VPN service that you happen uh, happen to be using. Okay, but um, but anyway, I'm so what I'm doing is is that you have your little your little private internet access, their little droid figure guy, uh, that that exists in whatever taskbar you happen to have, you know, whatever system you're on, not just Windows. Uh, and it comes up, you you know, I'm right clicking on it right now. I'm recording this on a Windows machine, um, and there's connect at the top. Then there's the connect options of where, um, which I'll say quickly on that for torrents you always want to use the netherlands server okay now that might be part of the reason that you lose some speeds but you want to use the netherlands server just because downloading okay is um isn't so much the shall we say uh, a public offense uh, that it is in other countries the netherlands are particularly good about that when it comes to art they have some very odd um you know odd uh, odd laws uh, favorable in some ways um odd laws about about art in general so uh now underneath that underneath all those connections options like i said you want to use the netherlands if you can um there's settings which is what we'll be going into beneath that though there's send slow speed complaint and this is definitely something i recommend doing if you're having a, a trouble with slow speeds i imagine the person the person who sent this to me i i imagine is very intelligent and already did that But that's that's kind of step one um, that you want to do is send in that slow speed complaint and then private Internet access will anonymously see what your connection, you know, system looks like and they'll, they'll send up a little bit of encrypted data that tells them what they need to know to be able to analyze what's going on for you. So anyway, we're going to we're clicking on settings here and then you're going to see down at the bottom. It's going to come up with your username, password and all that. Uh, But what you want at the bottom is advanced and you're going to click on advanced. And then we're going to run into a bunch of different things that we can do. So there's connection type, which is arguably the most important. You have UDP or TCP. Uh, Generally, you want this set for uh, UDP. Now, if you are using this on. Um, like on a Linux machine, there are some extra options involved. So now to discuss connection types, because this might be part of the problem, this might be one of the areas. It may not necessarily be the encryption. I'm going to guess you've gone through some of these, but I'm going to describe them, and maybe there's something helpful, uh, you know, as we go along. So you have the the option of UDP or TCP. Now for speed, you want UDP, okay? Because with TCP um, what, it, what it does is is that, so a connection type, you're sending data packets through this connection type, okay, on the VPN. With TCP, which is the most common connective framework of the Internet in the world, what it does is, is it constantly, it does this error correction and verification of all the network packets that you're sending out, which makes it a very reliable connection, which is part of the reason why it's so popular <laughs> for the Internet. Um, UDP, on the other hand, is what they call a the stateless protocol okay now that doesn't mean anarchism even though that's kind of cool but it's what they call a stateless protocol not meaning the state but <laughs> uh and the idea is is that it doesn't perform that error correction and that confirmation of the data packets getting sent so when you're using udp um you're gonna i mean it is way eons faster than tcp uh so but again you you do technically lose the reliability but I've never myself like I've never run into an issue. I mean, if we were talking about running like a Fortune 500 company, yeah, then there's arguments for not using UDP. But you know, for the for the individual, the everyday person, oh f- fuck, by all means use UDP. Okay, so that's that's the first thing to set up the ports. Not such a huge deal. Usually it's set for auto, um, and and that's that's fine. Um, request port forwarding. Port forwarding is a whole other conversation around torrenting um, that it's a good idea to set up and will give you really great speeds, but it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to set that up on a router, but I'm not, I'm not going to go you know into that now. Private internet access has some unique features that they offer in their client. One of them being is what they call PIA mace, um, which is effectively a, a very well done uh, ad blocker. So what'll happen is if you have PIA mace turned on, you will, um, you, you know, like, you know, if you were whatever you happen to be doing, it's going to block ads that can break some features. Admittedly, there's a reason you may not want PIA MACE on uh, because it can break some features in certain software. Because once you turn the VPN on, technically, every piece of software, not just your web browser, every piece of software uh, that you're you know running on your computer is running through the VPN. OK, and that's kind of the point. Um, then there's VPN kill switch, which you know, VPN kill switch. the idea is, is that if your VPN disconnects, it will automatically kill the internet on your computer, uh, until it can reconnect and not a terrible feature. But again, with UDP, you don't have hundred percent reliability like you would with TCP. So maybe this is something that could be a problem because most of the times you, you're going to have to manually, uh, you know, go through the reconnection process. Next are two features that are kind of the same. One is, is DNS leak protection. Um, And the other is IPv6 leak protection. Now, I usually don't turn on DNS leak protection, but IPv6 leak protection, that I leave on uh, because that's a very real problem because most websites are, you you know, a lot of, uh, should I say a lot of advanced websites, not most websites, a lot of advanced websites are using uh, varying features that can potentially leak. Because the features are using IPv6, WebRTC, things like this, um, it could potentially leak, you know, your IP address, where you're actually coming from and break the encryption of the VPN or not break it. But but, um, you know, leak, it, it, it'd be a leak, not a break um, from, you know, from from your encryption. So I, I leave that one on. But if you're running into issues of speed, maybe you want to try turning that off. That's something else. Uh, the next option is use small packets uh and w- using small packets that's not something you have to have uh turned on that's really only that really only matters is if you're dealing with like a particularly slower or older server or something like this and you're running into some kind of compatibility issues with the country that you happen to be running it in um that can help speed things up a little bit but i don't know that that's exactly what's going on there but if you do set it for use small p- smaller packets um that m- that might help out uh, with the matter So then the next option is what kind of encryption do you want to have um, set up? So across the board, um, private Internet access is using OpenVPN as its back end. It's not using PPTP, which is a good thing. PPTP, uh, while one could argue it's better than nothing, uh, PPTP is like encryption so weak, it's almost not even worth it. Uh, You know, I mean, if somebody was really targeting you, PPTP, you know, using that, uh, you know, using that protocol um, just isn't going to do much for you against a really concerted attacker. Uh, So or, you know, concerted effort by an attacker. Uh, So it uses OpenVPN and that what you run into are these are are some options of and and there's there's a specific data set that it uses. It uses AES 128, okay, for its stock encryption. And then it uses SHA one for authentication, and the handshake between you know your client server etc is RSA twenty forty eight, all standard fare. Um, this really shouldn't be the encryption itself shouldn't be causing a problem. But here's the thing: I don't recommend turning off the encryption, and I'll explain why. One of the one of the reasons that you want to use you know a VPN is because You, you know, all of that data. And if you want to use a VPN at all times, by all fucking means, use it at all times. Okay, the data that you're sending, that you're sending up from your computer goes to your ISP right during that first last mile or in in, since that direction to be kind of the first mile, uh, you know, it all goes to your ISP, whoever that is, Time Warner, Comcast, whatever. Okay, Um, And they keep a log. And legally, they they are either forced or just have the option of keeping a log of your what you do on the internet for I think up to like five years. Okay, so you know consider that almost like a criminal record being kept about you in a way. I mean, because potentially you know anything could become a crime at any given moment, right? Oh, suddenly going to you know a website about Asian ass porn is bad. Yeah, you you get what I'm saying? So. Yeah, so I, I I don't rec I like one of the purposes of a VPN, really, in my opinion, is is to have that encryption, um, I you know to to where the ISP isn't exactly seeing what's going on. So I don't I really don't recommend um turning turning that off, uh, and it it really shouldn't be causing so much of a speed issue. I would be, I mean, I guess if you've gone through all the other settings like. Uh, And it's, in my opinion, also, it's kind of dangerous to turn off the IPv6 leak protection, particularly that, because that can also be broken by like super bugs, especially if you're connected like uh, through to a telco like Verizon or something like that. Um, Or if it's on mobile, you know, all all of this. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think if you turn all that off, you just you you run into issues of. Of a lot of shit, really, really getting logged, even with even within that last mile. Uh, so that, that's my number one concern with that. So I, I would leave that running if you haven't contacted private internet access about it saying, Hey, look, for some reason, things are extremely slow. I mean, look, the Netherlands server can be slow because everybody uses the Netherlands server when they're torrenting, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, but just keep that in mind that, I mean, maybe, maybe contact them, uh, about it, but none of those, those settings, like the, the default settings for private internet access, uh, generally aren't, aren't an issue. Um, if you're, if you're constantly like the only times I would change some of the settings, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to shot two fifty six, but that is going to, that is definitely going to slow you down. Um, and Shaw one's break is the exploit on Shaw one that, well, that's, that's another conversation. Um, but if you were having constant drops, then yeah, I would set it for use small packets and maybe even set it for TCP. You're going to run into the slowdown because of TCP, but. You, you know, to, to keep connected, the slow, the slowness is like, that's an acceptable uh, trade-off. Right. So, yeah. So th- th- that's my thoughts on that. I, I hope that answers uh, the question as, as far as what you had. Um, I, I can't, it's hard to believe with the d- the default settings that I mentioned, the AES 128, SHA-1, uh, and then the RSA 2048, if it's set for that, there, there shouldn't be a slowdown, but I could be, you know, if you're experiencing it, I recommend, you know, letting, asking private internet access about it. Um, or just clicking, uh, like I said, when you click on the little icon, uh, it will bring up the send slow speed complaint and, and maybe that, you know, that'll, that'll help something happen there. So anyway, okay, let's, uh, let's get out of that and let's, uh, let's get into another little bit of a tech topic. And then we'll, like I said, we'll get into having some fun here. Um, Brian, if you're taking Q and a this week, I got one. I have some OG Cassatious coins, uh, which Cassatious coins for those that don't know are, were, um, these physical bitcoins. I mean, they're, they were just, you know, I mean, they were like souvenirs. They were for fun. Um, and in fact, like Roger Ver gave one a few years ago to just to like all the hosts of free talk live and everything, um, I mean, it it was really, you know, now like if if anybody actually held on to them um, and I don't blame them if they didn't, if anyone held on to them, you know, and didn't uh, because what they would do is is there's like a little holographic sticker, like a tamper proof sticker on there that would have a private key that you could then enter into a wallet and you could, uh, you know, you could extract the bitcoins effectively. Like, I mean, so pretty much these Casasius coins were like these physical, you know, either gold or whatever color they happen to be uh, uh, like paper wallets effectively okay you you didn't really set them up to add anything to them it didn't really work that way uh but they were popular for a little while because it was a way of saying to somebody oh yeah no i have a physical you know i have a physical bitcoin right um because that was that used to be one of the old arguments it's like well it's not i can't hold it in my hand it's not real and of course that's fucking ridiculous. Uh but anyway, so Kaséch's coins used to be a very popular thing. Anyway, he says, "Uh I guess they are now worth 1 BTC and 1 BCC as in 1 Bcash." Now there's a new fork coming and people are saying to split out the BCC prior. Um I don't plan on sweeping these things anytime soon. Am I at danger of losing some value if I do nothing? Okay, uh so there is a fork coming. I don't see yeah, I I don't really see any um with the casacious coins. I mean, these are like some of the first bitcoin addresses ever made in in a, in a real way. Um or not addresses, but key you, you know what I mean. Um I I think they're going to be compatible across the board no matter what because people want That really, really ancient history. I know, you know, the Bitcoin core team talked about, you know, it has talked about pruning at various points. Um, That pruning is all for very little stuff as to where these are worth a Bitcoin apiece. Um, And in fact, to to some degree, a little bit more than that. Right. Because, you know, they have because it's a physical Bitcoin like there's a cool factor. There's a collector's factor to it. So they're worth a little bit more than that anyway. Uh, Myself. I'll, I'll tell you. And so I know I don't think you're in any danger of losing anything. Bottom line. OK. Regardless of what the conversation is that, you know, that 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 people have about it. Um, also, we're running into interesting times that I theorized when we first started talking about B, when we first talked about B cash on Sovereign Tech, where we could end up with three Bitcoins, you know, three different bitcoin teams three different bitcoin blockchains effectively really there's only one you know bcash is an altcoin um you know and and regardless of whatever you know prefix or suffix you put on bitcoin bitcoin is still bitcoin that's the bottom line like (laughs) there there you have it that that's bitcoin uh everything else like i said is an altcoin um and look i'm not knocking them just let's keep perspective okay I'm not I'm, re- I'm actually not being an ass I'm just saying let's keep this in perspective that like Bitcoin cash is not Bitcoin it's, it's just not you know and is it a huge philosophical and, and metaphysical question as to what actually is Bitcoin sure and I am not the person to have that at least not right now <laughs> okay um, but anyway regardless of all of that so here's my point all right. Uh, the yeah, as far as I know, you really don't have to take any kind of action in, in as a concerns to, to to this fork, especially if it's a, a wallet like that old. It's more a problem if um, you've been setting up other wallets, you know, kind of post August, I guess. Uh, that's my understanding of it. But let me all of that's moot. Um, I am very concerned about Cassatius coins and that in the future, like, I mean, one of the reasons that people never took Casatius coins too seriously is because you have to just, you had to trust the distributor that they didn't keep the private keys that it actually has on it, what it has now people have cashed out of these and they've, and they've continued to cash out of these uh, with success. So one assumes that no, okay. You know, the distributor didn't uh, happen to look at the sticker and things like this. I mean, this is a problem with a lot of uh, like more, like when people make fancier where they're not paper wallets, maybe they'll cut them out of metal or something. A lot of people have the same concern about it. It's like, how do I know what's on that? Or, you know, that they didn't keep a copy of the private key or something, you know, that the manufacturer didn't do that. Uh, all very real concerns. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe the argument for keeping it as a casatious a coin and keeping the Bitcoin technically on it and not collecting the private key on it. The argument for doing that is that potentially the Cassius coin in 10 years could be worth billions as compared to one bitcoin say only being worth a million. Is it possible for one bitcoin to be worth a million in the future? Yes. Uh not really. I think that's that's you know that that's not out of the realm of possibility. Um I I don't think it's I don't know that it'll get there but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Anyway, so the idea is, is that, well, you know, Bitcoin kept on a Casascius coin, that's going to be a real collector's item. And, you know, it's, it's the idea of like, well, OK, so you have a troy ounce of silver. But when that troy ounce of silver has Caesar stamped on it, suddenly it becomes a, worth a whole lot more than just a troy ounce of silver because it has history. It has a story. It has a collectability. You know, there, there's there's something behind it. And the Cassatius coins is kind of a similar uh, effect when it comes to coins. So. But I don't trust it myself. Um, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't like cash out on Coinbase, my Casatius coins, but I, I would move those Bitcoins <laughs> and, and I would get them, you know, set up into like a Bitcoin cash wallet and then do the breakdown for, you know, for the coming fork, things like this. Uh, I would do, I would do all that. That's just my opinion. What I would do, I'm not telling you what to do. I am saying that I, I don't necessarily trust it. And like, I, I want to, you know, I want to know, <laughs> you know, that that it's on un- there, There's software that is far better where you really know that that shit's under control. Uh, so th- that's that's my take on it. I hope that answers. I hope that answers, um, I hope that answers your, your question. But at the end, you I don't think you're going to lose out on anything if you do nothing because of just the, the, the age of the keys for, for Casasius coins, um, unless I'm misunderstanding something. So anyway. Uh, all right. Let's let's move on to uh, another question here. Um, and here, here's a couple. These are a couple of fun ones that were actually asked on uh, on Twitter, of all things that we were talking about. So here's the question. Um, what fictional character or characters do you dislike the most in a TV show and or movie? And why? Oh, man, there is some I'll tell you, there is some low hanging fruit <laughs> to, to answer this one. <laughs> I mean, there's some real low hanging fruit. All right. How, how, let's let's go for it the new Battlestar Galactica, the Ronald D Moore Battlestar Galactica, every fucking character. No, I'm kidding. I actually like Starbuck. Um, in fact, I love the fact that they, they made her a woman. I thought that that was, I was so on board with that. And the picture of Katie Sackhoff who played Starbuck, the picture of, of Katie, Sta- of Katie Sackhoff and Bert, uh, Dirk Benedict who played the original, you know, another hero of mine who played the original, um, Starbuck, the male version from the 1978 Galactica, the really great Galactica, the picture of those two with cigar, you know, sitting down smoking a cigar is one of the sexiest goddamn pictures ever taken by mankind. I mean, it's just remarkable. She's awesome. Her character was phenomenal. So not every character was bad. Um, I also I also enjoyed um, uh, Commander Kane, the female Commander Kane in that. Uh, I thought she was really you, you know, like that, that was a nice touch granted. She's no Lloyd Bridges, <laughs> you know, who played the original, the male version of commander Kane, uh, you know, in the origin in the 78 Galactica. Uh, but, but she, she did fine. Of course, you know, she played real in and the next generation and everything, uh, just tremendous actress. Uh, but all the other characters, I can't think of a goddamn one that I like. I didn't like Baltar. I thought he was just, just a, a pain in the fucking ass. Um, didn't care for six, uh, didn't none of the Cylons, um, didn't like Adama, uh, didn't like Apollo did, or Lee, whatever. Um, Colonel Ty was kind of funny because so, so he, all right, here's the reason that I hate all of these characters, the president on there, you know, the, the, the whole fucking lot of them. All right. The, the Cylons are annoying for, for their own reasons. I, I, I won't necessarily, you know, break, break into that. Um, The reason that I don't like the main characters uh, in that show are because like there's there's no genuine heroes, but yet they all put up the facade of being heroic. Now, you can say that, oh, that's like real life politics and all that stuff. Look, I don't watch science fiction to get real life fucking politics. You understand? It's escapism. I want to get away From that, I mean, like it was season three of Galactica was so bad because it was so blatant that they were trying to show off the Iraqi occupation, and it's and it's like, yeah, but this isn't. You're not being edgy. You're you're too open. You're too honest. Not even honest. You're you're just too open because they weren't being honest. You're you're too open about it, and it just came off cheap and it felt really stupid. But that's that's one of the things uh, that I mean, and and this goes actually. even genuine heroes in a lot of movies. Okay. Even the heroes in a lot of these films, I hate the heroes because the heroes are always like, Oh, I don't know. Should I do this? Should I do? Oh, uh, I'm so uncertain. Blah, blah, blah. As to where the villains are always like, no, you know what motherfucker? I'm going to do it. You know? And with no questions asked, they just, they just, they go out there and they do it. They go after what they're going after. and And I respect the hell out of that. You know, I, I, mean, really like I, 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 always appreciate the villains way more than I appreciate uh, the, the heroes, but in Battlestar Galactica, the, the heroes are, are particularly insipid uh, because except for Colonel Ty, and I'll explain why Ty is, is kind of the exception in this uh, because again, they're all like, Oh no, I'm the good person on the, I mean, they're, but they're all doing completely unethical, immoral bullshit, lying and killing and, and whatever else behind everybody's back. And, and it's all so terrible. Uh, Starbucks, not so bad, you know. Start like I said, Starbucks is excluded from this whole conversation, uh, but everybody else, I, I just, I, I hate that. There, there was no, there was nobody you could really rally behind, you know. And and look, there are people in life that, for using a conventional phrase that have a fantastic moral compass. They just walk around with that incredible moral compass and they don't think twice about it. And there is no reason that that kind of person shouldn't have been on display in Battlestar Galactica. They should be on display somewhere at some point in, in all. I mean, it doesn't have to be in content, but if for something to be considered as great as Battlestar Galactica is, that really should be there. And it's not. No, 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 that that character's not there. There's no argument about it. Like, that 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 character just is not a part of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, So I hate that, that there's there's no real heroism, uh, you know, in that. Not really. Uh, It's all just it's all just a shit and fucking mess. And I guess maybe people like that because their lives suck or something. I don't know, Uh, because their life is a fucking tragedy. But I don't care for it. You know, I want escapism. I want, uh, you know, I mean, this is a problem with so much science fiction. There is so little science fiction out there where it's hundreds of years in the future. Or I look, I know, spoiler alert, Battlestar Galactica is thousands or millions of years in the past. Um, but there's so little science fiction that says humanity is going to be OK. And, no, and, and I know how, how the last episode of Battlestar Galactica goes. I, you know, I, I know what happens in the last minute. Um, that, that's not saying humanity is going to be OK because they're saying that it's just going to happen again. They're like, oh, maybe it'll be this different this time. No, it, it fucking won't because you people are stupid and you don't know how to write. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, there's so little science fiction out there that, that like actually says we'll survive. We'll make it through this. We'll get past our, our demons, shall we say, even though generally I like the demonic, uh, <laughs> you know, Star Trek is a rarity. Buck Rogers is a rarity where humanity actually makes it. You know, they get past all the nuclear wars and everything. Um, you know, it's just it's it's too rare. And I just I don't need you know, Babylon 5 is another one where, you know, just how well, how far ahead humanity is going to get, especially when you get to the uh, to the season finale for season four. Um, And and I just I do. you re, Do we really need this? Do you really need like depressing fucking bullshit like Battlestar? Like, Galact- oh, it's great drama. Fuck drama. Fuck drama! If it, at the end of the day it's not about you know landing on the map, you know landing on on, on the on the country of Utopia on the map. Yeah, you're never going to reach Utopia, but you keep trying. Oh, drives me nuts. So Colonel Ty, on the other hand, Colonel Ty from the beginning, he's morally ambiguous. He's he, in many ways he's almost like a. I mean, he's almost a, a, a Boba. F- I mean, he's an antihero. He's a, he's like a Boba Fett character in um, in Battlestar Galactica. And that's fine. You know, you can have 20 of those, but you've got to have some, you know, downright good old fashioned heroes sometimes, you know, in there as well for the antihero to play off. Otherwise, it's just shit. <laughs> you, you know, like if it's all antiheroes and like there's no actual villain in there. I mean, you, you got to have something to play off of, you know, I mean, and look, Hollywood knows this a, a lot. A lot of writers know this. It's very difficult very difficult to write from the villain's perspective okay where like if you wanted to show to be able, or a movie say for example um, a, a great movie uh, payback with mel gibson okay uh, fuck you mel gibson but anyway payback with mel gibson so in Payback, you know, it's all about you're going to you're going to root for the bad guy. And, of course, the way that they pull it off in it is that, yeah, Mel Gibson's the bad guy, but he's got to go after a badder guy, like a you know a less ethical guy or something like that uh, who wronged him in some some form or fashion. And that's the thing, like even when Hollywood tries to write about, you know, from the bad guy's perspective and to try and get you to root for the bad guy, because, like I said, really, the bad guys are the ones that that are the more uh, uh endearing characters, in my opinion. Um, This is true. You know, just watch wrestling. Every good guy is meaningless without without, you know, every face, as they call it in in wrestling. The good guy is meaningless without the heel, which is the bad guy. Like you got to have a great heel. You know, that's why. Why was Ric Flair the biggest fucking deal in wrestling for, you know, 40 years? It's because he was the perfect heel and he could be a good guy, too, but he was the perfect heel and he'd make the good guys look so good you know, and he'd make them look so good that even when they lost, you felt like they kind of won and, you know, and, and you believed that, that the villain got away with all, I mean, that that's great drama. Not this. Everybody's a fucking anti-hero. Everybody's, you know, fucking this person behind this person and stabbing this person and all, all it, it, it drives me nuts. Every, so Colonel Ty though was like from the beginning, you know, him being, uh, morally ambiguous, at, you know, towards the end of the show, uh, Particularly, or or when he start would start to admit it to everybody. What do the bullshit that he was doing, and of course, yeah, I I know what happens, Colonel Ty. Uh, you know, it made sense, and it was like okay, but that's how the character was, and that was cool. As to where everybody else, they just oh, they they just fucked it up. Even like Tom Zarek had really, you know, I loved having Richard Hatch uh, back on the show could have been really cool, but then they fucked with him too. They just turned him into where, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm this very principled guy. Uh, I have the, I had this troubled past with as a terrorist. I mean like great stuff. And then suddenly, Oh shit, he's, you know, back to back stabbing and making backroom deals and all this other crap. And, and I just, I, I can't do it. Same thing when I watched house of cards, I can't do it. I, I, I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> I, I don't need, <laughs> Like, I'll just watch politics in real life if I need if I need this kind of shit in my life. You know, I I, it's not that I I can't watch depressing stuff. I can really dig depressing stuff. There's lots of things I can watch. But like to watch the political process, there's a reason we're anarchists because we're sick of this shit. But somehow people think, oh, well, look, it's showing the state for what it is. It's showing humanity for what it is. Fuck that. Fuck that. You know, I'm not even a person that believes in morals. Fuck that. Man, it's, it's, yeah, it's so so. Everybody besides Colonel Ty and Starbuck, in um, in the new Battlestar Galactica, they're they're I I hate every one of them, just hate them, you know. Uh, and especially when you compare them to their seventy eight counterparts. In fact, IDW is doing a crossover comic. I'm, I'll read it. I don't want to, but I'll read it. But anyway, IDW is doing a crossover comic between the original Battlestar Galactica crew and the new Battlestar Galactica crew. And I want to see that contrast because I and I want I want the real Commander Adama. okay, as in the Lauren Green 1978 Commander Adama. All right. I want that Jew. Yeah. Lauren Green, baby. I want him to get in new BSG's Commander Adama's face and tell him what the fuck is wrong with you. We need fucking heroes. That's a quote. Minus. OK, I added in the fuck. But but that's a quote from from uh, uh, Living Legend Part one and two from the 78 Galactica. Say we need fucking heroes and you're fucking it up. Get the fuck out of my face. And and, and you know, and then, and then just just have just 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 have Commander Adama, you know, the classic Commander Adama, have him say, yeah, all right, all right you know. Get all the, you know, get all the, all the laser tubes ready and everything. and just, it just launch all vipers and just blow these fuckers out of the water because th- that that's enough. Boy, I wish that would happen, man. So yeah, th- those, those, those are the kind of character. And, and I think I explained why, why, why I don't like them. Um, because I mean, yeah, I don't generally like the heroes either. Like I said, because they walk around with so much uncertainty, you know, they're, they're kind of, uh, I'll use a conventional term, namby pambies usually, um, you know, unless you're talking about like some eighties action heroes, then, then you don't, you know, you don't really have that, but yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's my answer to that. <laughs> it's just, it drives me, fun. that, that show drives me so nuts. Um, just just how venerated it is when it really doesn't deserve it at all. There's nothing not that TV shows don't have to be edifying, you know, it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't need to be. It's just it's just too much. It's just too much fucking bullshit. You know, I I would rather watch Days of Our Lives or All My Children or General Hospital or Guiding Light, which I know is not anymore. I'd, I'd rather watch soap operas a million times a day than 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 subject myself to that that crap. I'll watch Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. God damn it. Before I'd watch that shit. Actually, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman wasn't a bad show. Oh, Sully. Was it Sully? Was that that character that was really cool? Anyway. Um, okay. So, which, you know, I funny that I brought that up because of course, um, uh, the woman that played, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Quinn, she played, uh, in you know, she was one of the main characters in the first few episodes of the original, uh, 78 Battlestar Galactica, of course, being Jane Seymour, uh, which, woo. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so there I answered that. Um, let's get on to another one here. Um, have you already reached, and again, these, both of these are from Twitter. Uh, have you already reached your creativity peak? And do you believe your age range will completely determine that? So, okay. Um, quick answer. No. (laughs) In fact, I do have new issues of the Sovereign Tech newsletter coming out. Things have been, well, I don't, I don't have to go too much into all of that, but, uh, yeah, don't worry if you're wondering where's the next issue of the Sovereign Tech newsletter, it's coming and it'll be back on a regular schedule. Um, anyway, it's, so if you reached your creativity peak and do you believe your age range will completely determine that, Um, So age range, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that, as in if you mean like as I get older and I am I going to get less creative or do you mean the fact that I really gear my content um, towards a mature slash adult audience uh, that 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 will be a problem? I'll answer both Uh, as, as far as like as I get older, will I get less creative? No, actually, it'll be more because I just know. I know the amount of experiences aren't going to slow down, you know, I mean, barring some kind of, you know, medical issue that I don't have. But, you know, like if some kind of medical thing happened, I mean, it'd be a different story, I suppose. But uh, no, as I get older, I mean, and and you see this with a lot of directors and a lot of writers and all that. I mean, like their best works, you know, start coming out sometimes. I mean, this isn't always true, but often when they get older, because there's there's more experiences, I think. Um, you know, there, there's an old saying in writing that, you know, you can only write about what you know or what you've experienced. I think that that statement is largely true, which is why that statement is stuck around or that that theory, that idea is stuck around. Uh, but I think some people escape childhood with their imagination just a little more intact than many others where That imagination can be so powerful that, in many ways, they can not that they literally woo woo live law of attraction horseshit like live whatever they have going on, but you can you can simulate that experience enough with your imagination that you that I think you can write about it. I really think that 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 can happen. I think that that's something that I do. Okay, Um, I don't mean it as a boast. It's a tragedy that people don't escape with their imaginations and their childlike wonder and things like this intact, but they don't. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that or at least recapture it after, you know, a very terrible stint in the military. But regardless, um, yeah, the more experiences that I have, the new ideas I get, the more creative I get. Um, so now as far as like the maturity thing, so with age, no, I don't think age is going to be an issue. Uh, like I said, barring medical, any medical conditions that that could ever come up. Um, and and I'm only 36, so (laughs) As far as uh, like age range, like, am I limited in what I can do with kind of the the maturity level? And I'll talk more about the creativity peak thing in a second, though. This is uh, this is dovetailing on it. Um, No, like because I concentrate on mature and adult audiences, um, I I think it's quite the opposite. I think that I have like the gloves are off. And with a lot of the things, particularly that I'm doing in the sovereign universe, uh, I've created the frameworks, and you know, kind of the, the plot points, um, the story elements, you know, the, that that allow me to do pretty much anything just with the sovereign universe alone. And I'm not even writing, you know, separate shit, which I'm I'm not opposed to ever doing that, to writing stuff that isn't in the sovereign universe. But the sovereign universe is so fun and has such the such an interesting grip, I think, in people's minds that. I don't know why I wouldn't want to write in the sovereign universe and there's still so much to write. I've only, you know, done, you know, I haven't done that much as far as fictional sovereign tech anyway. Uh, so yeah, no, the, with the maturity, I mean, and, and understand like that I've, you know, with, with people that I work with on stuff that, you know, the voice actors, whatever else that I work with for the sovereign universe, like I've written some stuff where I've questioned myself and I said, all right, am I going a little too far? And you know, is this a little too nuts? Is this going to like, like really drive people away instead of turn them on or something like that. And across the, almost across the board, every time I've sent that, you know, I I've asked those questions. It's always like, Oh no, you can go further. You can, you know, like, no, this is hot. This is amazing. I love this. And I'm so honored by that to be able to, you know, do that. But, uh, but anyway, uh so yeah, no, I, I I feel quite the opposite that you know, having it having it within that age range um you know, gives me near limitless creativity. You know, I love the old Harlan Ellison saying, um I'm an unlimited man in a lim- in a limited world. And I you know, I kind of I kind of feel that. Granted, I'm, you know, I'm grounded within reason and logic on that, but uh yeah, I <laughs> because no, I haven't reached my creativity peak. Uh, not, not at all. Now, granted, I am somebody who, I mean, you know, here's another statement that's true. Everything's a remix. Yes, pretty much everything's a remix. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I take plot points, I take ideas and I take things that I want stuff to, you know, kind of turn into, Uh, From all of my favorite franchises, from all the my favorite stories, all my favorite movies and whatever else, uh, you know, I I pull from all of these different things. Okay, which is exactly what George Lucas did to create Star Wars. And he admitted it. Um, And, you know, I mean, with remixing, (laughs) you know, the possibilities are nearly endless, especially when it's not just like music or it's um, not just a book. You know, when you go totally multimedia, like I have with Sovereign Tech, where there's you know the newsletter, there's albums, there's uh, you know fictional episodes, there's video games, there's all this stuff. When you go that, I mean, you have so many different ways to to express yourself, and each medium, each venue, you know, prov- provides new advantages and new challenges uh, that that really keep you going. So I think that's that's one of one of the keys. If somebody were asking me, what do I feel like one of my keys to my creativity are? Well, first off, like I said, is that um, I survived childhood with my imagination intact. Uh, but but second, well, I guess there's maybe maybe three. Let, let's do it. everything comes in threes. Right. That's another saying. It's horseshit. But whatever. I'll run with it. Um, the second thing is that because. I have the ability, and thanks to, you know, computers, apps, software, and all this different shit, because I have the ability to create content and stories within so many different mediums, it keeps everything fresh, and it, it keeps my mind engaged, and all, like like I said, each, each different format, if it's the writing short fiction for the newsletter, if it's doing a video game, if it's, you know, making an album, whatever they They all come with, yeah, like I said, there's challenges, yes, but they all come with their their unique advantages as well, and those advantages inspire new types of storytelling within it, and so you know i I know this is really only something that that people in the last ten, fifteen, maybe twenty years at best have been able to do, but if you can be a creator, if you can be a storyteller, a writer, whatever but you be able to use all of those different venues. I mean you're you're going to write forever. You know, you're you're going to tell stories forever and and you're going to create content forever because just the, the very nature of the multitude of of mediums that you get to use, video games, whatever or you know, st- uh, fiction, um audio plays, whatever it ends up having to be. You know, it's just going to keep you fresh, it's going to keep you relevant. So, yeah, I, I, there's there's no way I've peaked. <laughs> I just know it. And, and I have, you know, the other thing too, is that especially with sovereign tech, like I've met and I've worked with just some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. And I've only met them in the past, you know, five, six years over that time in each one of these people, like all the women that I work with, um, you know, like, like, I mean, which I know the sovereign tech listeners call the sovereign tech cabal, the the, the women that generally appear in the various stories and, and that do the voice acting and everything like each one of them, you know, Stephanie, all of them, they inspire me. I mean, you can't like, I, I wish I could tell them, I wish I could thank them enough how much they inspire my creativity. You know, all of them, Paige, MK, Ellen, there's new people who are new women who are coming on board. Um, and, and, and each, each one of them, I mean, they are so inspirational to me. You know, so when you have friends like that, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no, I don't think there's any such thing as a creative peak. You know, I think it's it's kind of when you end up like a hermit and on your own that you start to lose some of your creative peak. Like, like I think something that happens. You know, I'm I'm a huge metal fan, and I've often so so this is just as an analogy. As always, remember that proof by analogy isn't proof. Isn't necessarily proof anyway. Um, I've often wondered, like, what it what what it what it looked like was is that you say like eighties uh, metal bands? Okay, my favorite, you know, talking Motley Crue, White Snake, these kind of guys. Now, some of these people still make great music to this day. Okay, like they they still got it, and part of the reason they still got it is because you know being on the road. And, you know, I, I guess getting their fuck on all the time and whatever, you know, is kind of the fountain of youth. So not maybe not so much being on the road, but, you know, performing anyway. And, you know, and, and, and all the sex and everything. I re- really I, I think that's that's part of the fountain of youth. Um, and but, I you know, I always notice that with a lot of them, once they stop drinking or doing drugs, the quality, shall we say, of their work. Not that they stop, but the quality of their work takes a nosedive. And I, and and I was always a little bothered by that, you know, not that I have a problem. I mean, it's fine. People drink, you know, they, they, they hit up their stuff. What, you know, whatever they want to put in their body, whatever they want to rock, please, by all means, you, you go right ahead. You know, uh, I, I am not judging at all. Um, but I don't do any of that stuff. And so it's like, oh shit, am I missing out on some creative opportunities and all this by by not doing that? And I and I still think about that sometimes. But that always kind of bothered me. It's like, really, is it because they cleaned up and they sobered up that they lost all of their creative juice? And I don't and I've recently come to the conclusion, I don't think that's what it is. I think what happens is, and you could see it with some of these people, because there's bands that still make it, and then there's bands that start to fall away. And the ones that have fallen away are all with these singers or were the bands or whatever have like, they go into kind of an isolation and they live in West bumfuck. Like they're not around the industry anymore. They're not around really friends anymore. Um, And, and I, I could, I could name names in, in the metal scene. Anyway, I could name names of people that where they stayed in the industry and where they, they keep in contact and they, uh, you know, with, with other bands and all this stuff. And I think it's a lot of that is that that inspiration that they sort of feed off of each other that gives them a lot of their creative juices. You know, it's not because they stop drinking or they stop doing drugs. I mean, that that's sort of, I think, a, uh, um, something that precipitates why they go off and live on their own somewhere, you know. And, and I mean, some I mean, some of them end up like in fucking trailer parks and shit, uh, you know, after they clean up and everything, unfortunately. But yeah, I think it's because they, they remove themselves from say the arena of ideas or the arena of creativity or whatever. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's, that's what kills it. But for me, you know, over the years, I mean, it just keeps coming. I mean, more people want to want to, you know, more women want to work with me on, on, on all of this stuff. And that's really cool. But you know, the core group that I've been working with for the past at least couple of years now, uh, some of them earlier. I mean, they're just so inspirational. I can't, I cannot thank them enough. Like the, the, and I mean, you know, and especially Stephanie, of course, like, I mean, she's the inspiration for, for fucking everything. <laughs> there is no sovereign tech without Stephanie Murphy, bottom line. Um, there's no sovereign universe. There's none of this stuff because she gives me, and this is a, this is another, here's another aspect. Like I said, you know, there's times where I ask people, Hey, you know, do you think I went too far with this? and I feel comfortable in asking them because I feel like they're people that, that aren't going to judge me harshly. If they think something I, I wrote or made or whatever was, well, you know, went too far. They would just say, Hey, yeah, Brian, I think you went a little too far or something. Um, but that, that right there, that no judgment zone where you don't get called, I don't know, perv or whatever the fuck it is. Okay. Um, when you describe just an idea, you know, to somebody or whatever. And when you have that, like that, that is where you can really foster that creativity. And I think something that happens with a lot of people, writers and others is that they, they can end up in circles, not like ones. And and, and I'll, I'll explain the the difference here. They they'll end up in circles, social circles where they will be constantly judged and they will be constantly compared to their other work and all that stuff. And they will be, then they become limited. Okay, now you're probably asking, wait a minute, you just said with the metal guys, the fact that they're not in those social circles is the reason that they lost creativity because they're not in the social circle of musicians and all this different stuff. Here's the difference is that with metal, it was a no judgment zone with a lot of writers and a lot of directors and other people. It's a total judgment zone. You don't get free expression. You know, I mean, if you if you try free expression, what the fuck happens? Well, you get fired from writing episode from directing episode nine or you get, you know, whatever ends up happening to, you know, Star Wars. But anyway, that's another story <laughs> that I've talked about. In other Patreons, you know, wh- whatever, whatever the situation is, it's a total judgment zone as to where in the, in the 80s metal scene. No. you know, it wasn't that at all. You you slept with four women yesterday. Well, fuck, of course you did. I slept with five, you know, I mean like, like there wasn't any judgment with this, this kind of stuff, you know? And, and so you, you got to have, I feel like, you know, one of the ways that creativity can continue to get fostered is to have that social circle and it doesn't even have to be in person, but it's, it's so great if it is, oh fuck, it's so great if it is, if the person can be right there, if you know they're nearby and if you ever really needed them, you know, it's, it's really great. But uh, you know that that social circle and and there and it's a no judgment social circle uh i mean that's just that's that's priceless and and i think that you can go on forever with creativity and new ideas and exciting you know uh, intellectual ventures and adventures inside and out uh, and, and more, you know, when, when you have that. So that's just, that's so key. And, and I can't, I really can't picture, you know, I, I would never do anything to lose it and I'll protect it, you know, every one of these people forever. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever see my creative peak kind of a long answer. I hope that answered it, what, what, you, what you were looking for. I think there was going to be a number three that I was going to mention, uh, as far as creativity. Um, I have, so yeah, let me, let me, let me mention number three, because I mentioned one and two. Here's number three, uh, as far as like my, you know, again, I escaped, uh, my childhood with my imagination intact. There's number one, uh, number two was, you know, having these people in my life that just didn't, you know, these incredible women that inspire me so much. Uh, number three is I have not just imagination, I've got this I can barely describe it. Um, I know Herman Melville, he, he kind of, he had a quote about this where he said something to the effect of, I feel an everlasting itch to sail forbidden seas, meaning that there's just some sense, something inside that he felt that just made him want to explore, you know, and it doesn't have to be physical exploration. You don't have to be Magellan or anything. It could be internal. It could be a lot of different ways. But I, I have, oh, do, do I have that, that itch (laughs) to explore all the time? I just, I am always thinking about that, about exploring, you know, inside, outside, outer space, in my own head, the bubble universe under my skull, right? And, and that desire that I can, it's not wanderlust, you know, like it it, it has a purpose, it has direction, It, it just it's just uncontrollable and it's just there and it's always kind of pulling at me that I have to know more. I have to explore more. I have to figure out more, you know, like at all times. Um, yeah, that that's another thing. And and if you've got that, and maybe if you try to stuff it down, try fostering it, try fostering that desire to explore and let your mind go wild. You know, I've had people in my life, people that I've considered friends or whatever else, um, that might be saying it in past tense, but who have said that, you know, like my desire to, to explore, to go to outer space and explore outer space is insane. is crazy. I don't listen. doesn't matter if I never end up there. I don't listen to that because my creativity, what my desires, my goals, everything that I create and produce, you know, bottom line is feeding that need to explore. Now, this is a huge conversation, you know, uh, uh, like where does where does that because, you know, a lot of humans feel and I'm not unique in, in that in that desire for exploration. Um, and I'm not talking some cheesy Star Trek shit. This is it's just it's always been there. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I don't know when I was never, expo- uh, you know, exposed to Star Trek, but I sure as fuck you know, no, there were points where I didn't grasp that exploration was the name of the game for Starfleet. And I thought it was just all kind of cool effects and everything, you know? Uh, But I mean, I I was always, you know, as a kid, always running. um, Yeah, I I was, I was, I was pushing limits (laughs) as far as where I could go, but I wanted to know so bad, uh, you know, what was out there. And, and, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, I get a lot of compliments and I appreciate it on being such a voracious reader or a lot of comments on that and everything. And it's true. It's just, and it all just comes from that desire to explore. And even my writing and my creativity and everything that I do, as far as that goes, is all about expressing that exploration. And it's a part of that exploration because Sometimes I don't know where the story is going to necessarily end. You know, sometimes the story, like I'll I'll get a very rough idea, but then what happens in between, you know, I could come up with whole new ideas kind of in between that. Um, And that's part of that exploration too. So, you know, fostering imagination and the desire to explore, so important. And fostering, you know, people in your life, uh, social relationships or, you know, relationships in your life where it's a no judgment zone, man, I think when you have those, nothing can stop you. You, you, you can go on. I mean, and you can do shit forever. You can do anything. I really do. It's, uh, you know, and, and if if somebody thinks what I just said sounds cheesy, fuck you, you know, (laughs) it's how I feel about it. It's really how I feel about it. And I've, I've had to do a lot of self-exploration, especially over the past few years. Um, and those are, those are some of the conclusions that I've come to and I'm not going to stuff any of that down. I'm not going to, you know, I have absolute confidence in what I do, uh, I'm, you know, in confidence in my abilities and I'm not going to let someone, you know, complaining about what I write, uh, you know, what, what about any of the fruits of my creative pursuits complain all you fucking want, get the fuck out of my face. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want. You know, I talked about this recently. The most important question you need to be able to answer in life is what do I want? I can answer that question. Have I gotten everything that I want? No, but I'm still striving for that. (laughs) But I at least know the answer. I know. I have that confidence. So, yeah, I won't let anybody shut down my, my desire for exploration. I won't let anybody shut down my imagination and I won't let anybody, you know, I won't let anything, uh, you know, harm, um, the beautiful relationships that I have. So anyway, who went into a little bit of overtime with this one? Uh, and I got to get this baby out because you people are waiting for it. (laughs) So, uh, also, Hey, happy Ada Lovelace day, baby. Talk about somebody, talk about a woman, who boy look ada lovelace if you don't know about her get to fucking know her she is the reason we have computers folks uh and she was born you know over like 150 years ago (laughs) uh total hedonist too she's the best uh ada lovelace happy ada lovelace day everybody definitely a woman worth celebrating talk about a woman crush wednesday Woo. Anyway, uh, that's it for for this episode. i got I should have more Patreon content coming out. I wanted to do my Kingsman Two review uh, uh, amongst other things uh, that really need to need to be out there and uh, got a dynamite sovereign tech lined up for you. And of course, a new Sex and Science Hour. Baby, I will see you on the other side. And well, I hope to see you as long as you keep exploring. Woo.